The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Jack Deere found his 22-year-old son dead from a self-inflicted gunshot. I question whether I had a purpose or not anymore. Uh, my purpose had been to go to church and tell people about God wanting to be their friend, loving them, and then how he does miracles. And here, the son I prayed for more than any other person in the world, I, I lose him in that, uh, that way. So we, we uh, started down a really dark path. Next on Life Today. Thank you so much and welcome to Life Today. I'm James Robinson and my wife Betty are thrilled to have you as guests watching. Thank you for doing that. Uh, but we have a friend, Jack Deere, and I'm, I'm looking at this. This is a beautiful book. The Story Within, uh, you'd have to say it's beauty from ashes, uh, even in our darkness. A story of beauty in a broken life. Would you welcome Jack Deere to life today? Jack, good to see you, buddy. Do many people call you Dr. Deere now? Is it Dr. Deere or is it just Jack? I just, I just go by Jack. I always have. My students could call me by my first name. Well, that's cool, yeah. isn't it? That's yeah. great. All right, I want you to cover some ground here because God knows you've been through a lot. And I want you just to take off because you, you're, you're trying to tell us something about what can take place even in our dark moments or in our challenge, yeah. challenges, which we've had. And, and I'd really like for you to share with our viewers uh, basically what you hope they're going to hear and see and, and get because I'm convinced they'll get it when they read. But what do you, what do you want us to get from this? Well, um, I, I wrote a version of the Christian life of becoming a Christian and then becoming a friend of the Lord Jesus. It's an unsanitized version. Nobody starts out as a friend. Uh, but that's the destination, to, to be a friend of, of his. And I, I come out of a traumatic family, a family that didn't go to church. Mom and dad were at war from the time I was about six. And uh, we, we were disciplined harshly. They were actually beatings. And um, my dad ended the war when I was 12 years old. I had two younger brothers and a baby sister, and he committed suicide. And he left a 34-year-old widow with a 10th grade education and the baggage of four kids. Uh, and there, there wasn't a good man around that's gonna take a woman like that. And so we saw this parade of men through our homes, saw things we should, uh, uh, we should never see. Um, and all of us, my brothers and I just sort of went south. I did not even cry at my dad's funeral because my heart had shut down before I lost my uh, dad. And it would take me years and years to figure that out and, uh, and to come to grips with the... Because of the way he treated you and the, uh, and the family? Well, it, because of mom's beatings and because of my father's absentee. He was my hero, but, but from the time I was six or seven, he pretty much vanished from our life. And, and so the only way that, that childhood heart, I mean, that, that kid could kind of remain some, have some kind of sense of stability is if his heart shuts down and he doesn't feel so much. Mm. And, and, uh, I, I would have not made it till I was 21, except a friend when I was 17 years old told me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. It was December 18th, 1965. It was the first time I heard Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. Mm. 
you say, how do you grow up in Texas and not get that message? <laughs> well, back, this was 65, right? So no Life Outreach International on TV. <laughs> uh, you, you either had to go to church, or you had to have a Christian friend. And I, had, I didn't go to church and I had no Christian friends. And, and this one guy prayed for me for 18 months after he became a Christian. And uh, he said, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And he said, if you will trust him to forgive you and give you a new life, he will come into your heart and never leave again. I said, that can't be true. When you're 17 years old and everyone you've ever loved has left you to hear that the greatest person in the universe will never leave, I said, that can't be true. And, and uh, my friend, his name was Bruce. He said, oh yeah, that's true. And he was just so quiet and calm and assured. And I said, how do you know? And he said, Jesus said so, and Jesus can't lie. And then he quoted John 10, 28, I give my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. It was the first verse of scripture I ever heard. I was instantly born again. Great. I, I didn't have that vocabulary because I hadn't been to church. Confession, sanctification, justification, new birth, none of that stuff was in my vocabulary. But in my 17 year old heart, I just said, God, I'm coming over to your side now. Wow. You knew something yeah. definitely Yeah, changed. and then yeah. three months later, I went to a Southern Baptist church, but three months later, I met a young life leader who was like my father, my big brother, and my best friend all rolled into one. Mm -hmm. Question I love to ask people is, um, the only person who never needed any help chose 12 helpers. <laughs> Why do you do it? Why do you do it? For the pleasure it gave him to love these 12 guys and to teach them to love what he loved. Wow. So that they could count, their lives could count for all eternity. Wow. And that's what my young life leader did for me. Scott Manley loved me when I was useless to him. We didn't have a young life uh, club at my high school. And he taught me to love the things he loved. He loved memorizing scripture. He loved reading scripture. He loved C.S. Lewis. And, and I could not distinguish myself academically, but when he put C.S. Lewis into my hands, I became a devotee. I read <laughs> every Christian book. So at 17, I don't know a single verse of scripture. At 27, I'm a professor of Old Testament exegesis and Semitic languages at Dallas Theological Seminary. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and I never got that. I mean, when it was all happening, it was just going by so fast until I started writing the book. And I'd say, how, how does that, I don't know another transformation like that. And I, and I look back at my young life leader and he laid a foundation in my life that I've been building off of to this, uh, to this very day. But you saw a lot of things that were most people would consider darkness since then too, even in your Christian yeah. walk. Oh, yeah, from the time I was 17 to 52, everything I touched turned to gold. I mean, so I leave Dallas Seminary, but I become John Wimber's right-hand man, and I'm standing next to him when he prays for blind eyes and they open. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just see all kinds of sure. stuff go all around the world with him, uh, end up writing some books that become international bestsellers. And, and so from 17 to 52, it, I, it was kind of life on cruise control. Uh, and at, on December 27th, 2000, my second born son, who was the life of every party he was ever in, um, 22 years old, he mixed five things you can't mix, uh, drugs and medications, and he killed himself in our home in Montana. It was a paradise for us until the morning I found his body and we gathered around him and we, uh, the, his, his older brother and sister, Lisa and I, and we laid hands on him and we said, we're gonna pray for him until God gives him back or uh, until the policemen come and make us leave. And 30 minutes later, the policemen came and we went into a cave. Uh, I thought Lisa was gonna lose her mind. Uh, I, I questioned whether I had a purpose or not anymore. Uh, 
my purpose of being to go to church and tell people about God wanting to be their friend, loving them, and then how he does miracles. And here, the son I prayed for more than any other person in the world, I, I lose him in that, uh, that way. So we, we uh, started down a really dark path, but one of the uh, most amazing things about God, I mean, he's, he's, we, we all know he's utterly brilliant and he's creative in the way he communicates, but some of the things he did for us in that, those darkest moments were absolutely amazing. The first thing he did was we had all these wonderful friends. We came back here at my birthplace, Fort Worth, collapsed with our friends here, and they just circled around us. They were amazing. They listened to us. They cried with us. They didn't try to get God off the hook. They washed our clothes. It's like, you've got this place to save forever and ever. You don't ever have to do a thing the rest, rest of your life. So two, two weeks uh, being surrounded by our friends, um, my secretary comes in, and she uh, brings a sack of mail, and it's 38 sympathy cards. I know what it is, 38 sympathy cards. So I start opening them up. 10 minutes before, she, or 30 minutes before she brought that sack of mail, um, the funeral bill arrived and, and the funeral home wanted immediate payment. It was $10,064.69. Um, then she comes with that sack of mail, 38 sympathy cards and 22 checks fall out of those cards. One check for every year of my son's life. I totaled up the checks. Mm. They were $10,000. $65. Wow. I said, I was shaking. So I made a lot of money in the dot-com area, ended up losing it all, but this time I still had a lot left in the bank. So I did not need God to pay for my son's funeral. And I, I sat at that chair, just inwardly trembling. And, and, I, and I didn't say thank you because, because I, I want to know why, what are you saying to me? By this time, I've written a book on hearing God's voice. I know he's saying something to me. So I just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? And these three sentences form just as, as uh, firm in my mind. Um, it, it, he said, I paid for his death. I paid for his life and I'll pay for everything you need the rest of your life. I started crying. My heart was beating uh, uh, so fast. It was like he didn't take away the pain. He just came down and sat beside me and said, I'm going to walk through this with you. And I'm not kidding you guys. Every, I mean, he, just periodically, he would break through that darkness mm -hmm. with those kind of things that would just pick us up and give us the encouragement um, to go on. And that became sort of a, a regular feature, kind of a new dimension of life for me where I would, I was having these revelatory moments where I was actually feeling his affection uh, and all my brokenness and when, when I was pretty much use, useless to him. What do you want when you tell this, see, I know you, <clears throat> and I know the uh, darkness that has come at you, and you've touched on some of it, and all the way even back to your childhood, and I, my experience, plenty of that, and of course, Betty and I lost, lost a daughter right after Christmas. And uh, I know that you want people to get something very, yeah. very definite. And since you and I have talked, I want you to tell our viewers what it is you want. And you're such a gifted writer and your journey is so real and you're so approachable and touchable and you care so deeply. What do you want them to get when they go through this this story, this incredible journey. Often uh, when, when people talk about the book, they talk about the suffering, but for me, the book is not about suffering. I, I spent the first part of my life angry at myself for not producing enough. 
I, I, I could have always done more, always done better, and, and I sort of never really liked myself. Um, and I, I came to a point where I stopped trying to find my self-worth in my performance and started asking God to let me feel his affection and, and make me one of your best friends, like John was one of the best friends. Mary was one of the best friends of the Lord Jesus. And when I started praying like that, I started feeling more and more kind of these revelatory moments of his uh, affection. And they, they were, it was like transformative in my life. My anger started diminishing. Um, it, it, and I, I always wanted to love God, but I defined it in terms of obedience. And I didn't understand that I can't really love God like I want to till I feel his love for me. So I was a young life leader for 11 years and students would always come up to me and they would, they would say this sentence, they would go, I know my dad loves me. Their eyes would look down at the ground, their voice would fall. And I would think, uh, I, I wanted to ask, if he really loves you, why are you so sad when you say that sentence? And I think I went through a lot of my life like that. I know my father loves me, but it was more like something I'm telling myself, a sermon I'm preaching myself, not something I'm feeling uh, from him until I began to uh, ask for it. And to me, feeling the affection of Jesus is really the key to loving Jesus, loving the Father. And it's the key to, uh, it's the key to life. I, th I think that I, I understand what you're talking about. I feel like I felt that in, in the loss of our daughter. The real affection and preciousness and the closeness and that friendship yeah. with God that I, I'd never felt before. And I don't think it has to always be, come from a tragedy. I think if we desire, if that's the desire of our heart, God, yeah. God wants that kind of relationship with all of us. People ask me all the time, they go, Jack, what do you do about the dark days? And I go, the dark days are not my problem. Uh, I, I mean, when you've been through the loss we've been through, there's only one place to go, right? I mean, what are you gonna do? Try to make more money? Are you gonna you know, pick up an addiction someplace? Um, there's only one place to go. It's the good days that are my problem. It, it's when everything is going great and, I'm, and, I, and I've got that independent feeling and uh, all that. Those are, that. That's been my problem all my life. It's been the good days, not the bad days. Wow, but how do you, how do you get that affection? that you long for, to feel it from him, Jack? What do you say to people that say, okay, I want that relationship? Because see, I, I'm, yeah. I'm experiencing what you're talking about. I'm, I'm the guy that didn't have the father either. Yeah. Never yeah. heard I love you, never one compliment. But I tell you, Jack, I, I feel God loves me so much. I mean, he thinks I'm a hoot. He thinks I'm cool. And so do a lot of other he people. He likes me. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I you know, know. I mean, I know I'm just telling saying. you. Yeah. He just likes me. Yeah. He loves me. And, and, and I want to have that, that close walk with the Jesus and the Father all the time. Is that, is that what you're trying to inspire yeah, people? Yeah, it, it takes God to, to love God, right? It takes God to love God. So I have kind of three go-to prayers I pray every day. Father, grant me a work of the Holy Spirit to love the Son of God like you love Him. That's a paraphrase of John 17, 26. And then John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And so I say, Lord, I wanna be one of your best friends like uh, John, do you grant me that anointing. And then the one that's the, the newest uh, is Psalm 27, four. One thing I ask of the Lord, the greatest prayer among all the saints, prayers that were prayed 3,000 years ago, Two billion people are still praying him and singing them today. Nobody else has that track record. He boils all of his prayers down to a single verse. 
One thing, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask of Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So every day I'm saying, Father, would you show me your beauty today? Every time I see beauty in one of my friends, my love for my friend goes. And one of the chief ways he reveals his beauty is by revealing his affection for us wow. in our broken states, just like we are right now. And I'm at peace with the fact my performance is always going to be subpar. Uh, I'm a love person, and that makes up for a whole lot. Wow, boy. You enjoy what Jack has just shared. Do you get it? Do you appreciate the download? Boy, I just, I, I'm telling you, he, he is a gifted writer. And the journey's been on. I think he just unfolds in a way that it's, I think you're going to be captivated as you read, but I think you're going to be moved by God and by God's Spirit into a relationship that's more intimate and more meaningful, perhaps, than anything you ever imagined. And uh, I know Betty and I pray that for everyone who watches life today. Father, I pray for every person right now who really feels like they're, they're, they're overlooked or left out. And would you please show them just what a treasure they are to you and how precious and that they can become your friend and know that you love them in a very personal way, in a very intimate way, God, please grant them the reality of that in experience in their life in Jesus' name. I would love for you to, to read the book. I know what you've heard has already blessed you. And just watching Jack walk through many dark moments, like he's here to touch a couple of them here, but many more here, to just show you how God does, in fact, walk us through it. And he really does. And he wants to walk through as your best friend. And it's great to be his friend. Jack, Betty and I have found such joy, along with all of our viewers, in doing simple things like giving a cup of water in Jesus' name. And knowing that when we see the overlooked or the least of these and we touch them, Jesus says, you're touching me. You're loving me. You're blessing me. You're doing it for me. Wouldn't you like to do that? Wouldn't you like to bless the one who blesses all of us with such love and grace? Well, I want you to look and I want you to listen. I want you to listen very closely to a man and this is what you need to know. This is our missions director. This is Ralph Doan. And here he is overseas just a very few days after he's buried his precious wife, mother of their children. I want you to listen to his heart as he talks about others and how love makes all the difference in so many ways. Watch closely. We're standing here today in the district of Krabang, Cambodia. Uh, the village is called Maul. And these people have never had clean drinking water. They don't know what it is to be able to go outside or go in their house and just have good, clean water on a daily basis. And so today, all that's going to change. Six million people. 
in Isaiah, the poor will search for water, but find none. And then the God says, but I, the Lord, will hear them. I will not forsake them. I will make dry land springs of water. I will make the wilderness as pools of water. James and Betty, I feel like we're in that moment right now, almost like a pool of water for this village. In fact, if you're giving for the first time this year, you're giving water for the very first time to 300 families in this village. We praise God for that. Thank you to all the donors. Thank you to all the partners and James and Betty again. Thank you for your vision. All the mission partners love you and thank you with all their hearts. God bless you. Just recently, God bless you, Ralph, your precious family. Recently, we heard our grandson, the son of the daughter, Robin, that's in heaven, tell his whole church and people all around the world in a beautiful presentation about the challenge after he said goodbye to his mother, mother of three teens, and talked about the grace of God. It was so powerful. I know Robin was looking down, smiling. And we're saying, God, thank you. And I see Ralph and what he went through and realized that he's there saying that we can be the answer to that mother's heart cry for her children. And all those people who've seen their children get so sick or they've been so sick. And now all of a sudden they can have the life that you saw come in. Water for life. And it's all being given because of the water of life that lives in us, Jesus. Betty, it's been the most amazing thing to watch our donors drill those 6,000 water wells with love. One cup at a time, one well at a time. And I believe everyone watching is going to do something. I, I trust that you will. My heart was just leaping with joy as I watched those children dancing around in that fresh, clean water that they'd never had the opportunity to taste before. But there they were, great joy in their heart and expressing themselves as children would do. But what great joy had to be in the heart of every mother that watched their child there at that moment when she knew that now she would have fresh, clean, safe water for her babies. Join with us, if you will, and let's continue to be able to do that, to let the water spring forth of God's love and the example of God's love being sharers, just as you are, as we share with these precious little ones. You know, I'm believing that every one of you are going to help. You're going to give a cup of water. By the way, we're giving these beautiful coffee cups, one for morning and one for evening that are absolutely beautiful. Just to say thank you for giving a cup of water, a well of water. And we're sending the book, The Miracles of Christ, which I've talked about, and many of our guests have shared their stories. It's phenomenal. It's a beautiful gift book. The pictures inside are like the ones on the cover. You're just, you're just gonna be blessed and you're gonna be inspired. But here's what I'd like you to do. A gift of $48 to help us drill one of those 400 wells will give 10 people water for the rest of their life. I mean, isn't that amazing? And, and listen to me, there is a level at which everyone can participate. 
you give a gift of over $100, and we're going to send those cups, any gift, we're going to send the book. If you could give $1,000 or more, or say $1,200, which would be three more people joining you, and we got a well, because the wells cost $4,800. Anyone who gives $1,200 or more, we're going to send the beautiful Thomas Kincaid canvas painting of the Bridge of Faith. So I'm asking you to do what God leads you to do. There's no gift too small. There's a gift at which level you can come in. And if there's a, anyway, and a lot of people tell us, James, it's one of the great joys of our year to give a well. We look forward to it. Would you give $4,800? If you can, I believe you will. Go online or dial the number you see, take your bike card and use it like a check. But let us know what God put on your heart. If you write a check, make it to life, but call us and tell us you're putting it in the mail. Please let us know that. You're going to make a tremendous difference in many lives. You're going to give them life. Thank you for doing it. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a new beginning for thousands of children and their families. A bright future with better health. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15 people. And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the miracles of Christ, what living beyond impossible looks like. Filled with scriptures, prayers, and stories of Jesus' miraculous power, James Robison adds insight about how to walk in faith and live beyond the impossible. With your gift of $100 or more, request the morning and evening coffee mug set. Each mug features beautiful artwork and scripture from Psalm 92.2, a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness each day. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request the beautiful Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Well, Betty and I just say thank you so much for your participation. We're going to send the uh, book, Miracles of Christ. And by the way, if you say, James, if we help give water to those precious families and children, could you send us Jack's book? You can get it online or in the bookstores and not tell your friends about it. But you say, I just feel like I need the book. If I'll help you reach out to those children, will you send it to me? Yes, we will. You just ask. Would you join Betty and me in saying again, thanks to Jack. Thank you, Thank all of you. Thank you for watching. Thanks so much for your help.
Ambassadors for Life are people like you who see need in the world and want to do something about it. Contact us to start a fundraiser today and change someone's future. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.